0: I have to tell you a story something that happened to me the other day, and it has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm talking about, So, but I just think it's funny. Um, so I'm at work the other night, I uh, work part-time at Carrabba's, and I'm thinking about this weekend coming up, and how I'm not going to get much sleep, and I love sleep. And so I'm at the bar waiting for a drink for one of my tables, and I'm going to run out, and I'm talking to the bartender, I'm going to do a little bit of a complaining. And I'm like, man, i you know, be staying up late, hanging out with middle school boys, and i um, not going to get a lot of sleep, and i got to get up earlier, because i got to preach on Sunday. And, uh, and then the bartender, who I am fairly certain, not a believer at all, says, well, you know, Jesus died for you, so the least you can do is get up a few extra hours early and tell people about it. (laughs) I was like, what was that? So I'm very excited to be here this morning, and, uh, very much, despite my, this is like a proverbial drop kick to the face, it was awesome. Um. So today we're finishing up a series called Forgotten Virtues, where we've been going through different virtues that we as a culture used to really live out, but we've kind of forgotten, don't really live out anymore. Started out talking about integrity, and we defined integrity as your actions matching your beliefs, and how that doesn't seem to happen as much anymore. And then we talked about purity, how we should pursue the standard of purity set forth for us by Christ and not by the world. And last week, Donnie talked about patience, which is something that we all struggle with, and... Mine was tested this weekend. Thanks, fellas. Um, well, love you guys. Um, but which that leaves really great into what we're talking about today because what we're talking about today is what I feel may be the most forgotten of all virtues. And which kind of funny because we said that almost every week. And we say that because we really believe these are all important. But today, I feel this one is really important because it seems like an entire generation has been labeled as the opposite of this virtue. Let me give you an example. Uh, when I was 16, my parents threw me a birthday party, and it was great. All my friends were there at our house, and had a good time. But the party wasn't the surprise. The surprise happened when my parents walked me and my friends out into the driveway, and sitting in the driveway was a 1986 cherry red IROC Camaro. Mm, it was beautiful, new paint job, new tires, new interior, sound system, and that thing would move. It was great. And I was very grateful for that car. Very grateful. But my actions with the car would prove otherwise. You see, two months to the day, two months to the day after receiving that car, I was coming home late with a friend from a friend's house. And by that I mean I snuck out to see my girlfriend, and we were on our way back. Um, and so we're driving down this mountain backwoods gravel road, and I'm driving that cherry red Camaro, like a cherry red Camaro. And I take it off a 20-foot cliff and completely total the car. It was Horrible, just gone, and uh, it was bad. See, I had no respect for the gift that was given to me. See, I, I was very grateful in the moment, like this, the surprise, oh, this is awesome, but once that kind of wore off, um, my mindset changed from this being a gift to this being something that was mine, something that I was entitled to, and because it was mine, because I was entitled to it, I can do with it whatever I wanted to. See, our generation, my generation, has been, become to be known as the entitled generation. Our mindset is that we deserve more and that everybody owes us something. And the opposite of entitlement is gratitude. And that's our focus today, talking about gratitude. Because we live in a culture that's not defined by gratitude. We live in a culture that says, give me what I have coming to me, give it to me now, and I deserve more than that, actually. We live in a culture that says, I want my food fast, I want it hot, and I don't want to have to get out of the car to get it. We live in a culture that says, hey, you don't like the way you look? That's fine. Just get surgery and, you know, whatever makes you feel good because you deserve to be happy. We live in a culture that says, if I can't get a phone call, get a text message, check the, game of, check the score of the big game, order a pizza, watch a movie, take a photo, take a movie, read a book, all on the same handheld device, then it's not good enough because we deserve better than that. See, we're an ungrateful generation. And just because you and I may not be in the same generation doesn't mean this doesn't describe both of us, because we've got everywhere from ten year olds saying that they deserve a cell phone that can connect with the entire world and if they don't get it, it's considered some form of child abuse. And we've got married couples of all ages who are told, Hey, if you're not happy, just get a divorce because you deserve to be happy. So we're an entitled culture and we've forgotten the virtue of gratitude. I was doing some research for this message and I was watching this comedian and yes, you can do research by watching comedians for messages. Um, and this comedian's name was Louis C.K. and he's doing an interview, kind of one of those funny interviews and he was talking about technology. He was being interviewed about technology and he he said, you know, everything is amazing right now but nobody's happy. And he was talking about the advances in technology just in the past 20 to 30 years, how incredible they are, like how much we've advanced technologically. And I, I can still remember, just barely, I uh, Still remember rotary phones? Oh, some of you are like what's that? Um, like where you had to actually like stand next to the phone to dial it. I know it's crazy. Like you couldn't walk away. Anybody? No. <laughs> and you had to actually dial the phone. Like and you would hate people who had zeros in their numbers because it'd take too long. You're like, oh. It's and if you think about it, how primitive that is. You're making sparks with your finger. Like it's just a pain. And now we've got our cell phones, and we're like, oh, it's so slow. God. Give it a second. I mean, it's going to space. Can we give it a second to get back from space? I mean, seriously. Like, I remember when going to the bank was a chore. Like, you had to actually get out of the car to go to the bank. If you wanted money, you had to go inside. And if you didn't have any more money, you're like, well, I guess I just can't do any more things. It's <laughs> done. And even if you had a credit card, it was like this big deal. Like, I worked in the restaurant business all my life. So you have that big metal thing. I mean, remember that? You like said, and you have to fill out this form. And you just chunk, junk, junk. And you had to call the president to see if you had any more money. I mean, you didn't really have to do that part. But it was a big deal. Um, And so, like, speaking of technology, like, the most recent thing I know of, like, now you can have wireless internet on airplanes. Wireless high-speed internet on airplanes. You can't even use your cell phone on an airplane, but you can have wireless internet. I don't know how it works. But this comedian was on one of the first, this guy was on one of the first planes when they introduced it. They're like, ladies and gentlemen, we'd just like to let you know that you can open up your laptops and browse the web. And so, he pops it open, and he's checking YouTube, and it's going fast, and he's checking his email, and then it breaks down. Uh, so they get back on, sorry, the internet's not going to be working anymore, sorry. And so, and so, and this guy next to him was like, Psh, this is stupid, it's ridiculous. I mean, how quickly does the world owe him something he knew existed 10 seconds ago? <laughs> Think about it, how quickly do we become entitled to things that, we, that are ours? How quickly do we become entitled to them? And this isn't a relatively new thing, right? I mean, it's just gotten worse lately, but it's not a relatively new thing. It's something that Jesus dealt with as well. And there's this great story in the Bible about a group of people who seemed very entitled. And so I'm going to be reading the story to you from Luke chapter 17. i will be in verse 11, also be on the screen if you want to follow along. Uh, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Let me pause right there, give you a little bit of a context. Leprosy was a big deal. Back in Jesus' day, it's not like some sort of rash, and you just put cream on it and you're good to go. This is like this skin-eating disease. Like you were thought to be being cursed by God if you had it. You had to wear mourning clothes, and you had to live completely isolated from society, outside of the town. There's very strict laws in the Book of Leviticus, which is this way, um, and uh, it's this book of laws. Very strict laws in Leviticus 13 about if you have leprosy, what you have to do. You have to be completely isolated from society. You can't live around people. And if you were ever to come into town, like where the people are, you weren't allowed to be within six feet of another, another human being. And you'd have to yell, you'd have to yell, unclean, unclean, whenever you'd come into presence to anybody else. Imagine, like, they've already got this physical, just pain. And then they had this psychological, just, hum, just humiliated because they have, wherever they go, they have to yell, unclean, unclean. Imagine if you had some sort of skin disease, like staph infection or MRSA or whatever. I can't think of anything. Um, and whenever you like, came into the presence of any other human being, you had to yell, hey, I am contagious, or I am infected, you know, unclean. It'd be, it's humiliating. It's degrading. Even if these guys wanted to go worship in the temple, they'd have to be the very first ones in. And they'd go into a little room, and they'd have to block them off, and then let everyone else come in and worship. And then when everyone else left, then they could leave. First one's in, last one's out. Completely separated from society. It likely been years since these guys have been touched or hugged or shown any kind of physical affection. So this is a big deal. And so Jesus replies, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. One person. One person came back to show his gratitude and to thank God. Now, these other nine guys, they probably weren't bad guys. They probably just got, you know, excited and all the things going on, but a lot of time to make up for. Who knows how long it had been since they had held their wife and just were able to embrace them. How long it had been since they'd seen their kids and were able to give them a hug. And they just got caught up in it. But just one, just one stopped and showed gratitude. Just one came back to thank God. Just one realized, hey, you know what? I probably didn't deserve this. My question for you this morning is, will you be the one? Will you be the one? Because truthfully, the odds are stacked against you. Think about it. Will you be the one who every day pauses to give glory and honor to God? Will you be the one to stop among all the busyness and lift up a true and heartfelt worship to the creator and sustainer of our universe? Will you be the one to give praise and honor and worship and glory to the one who, while we were still sinners and couldn't do anything, sent his son to die for us because we couldn't do it ourselves, we couldn't take on that burden, and we didn't deserve it. And not just with God. Let's think about the people who impact your life. Will you be the one who stops long enough just to write a thank you note to somebody who's impacted your life? Will you be the one today who says thanks to the people who are ministering to your kids right now so you can be here? Will you be the one to say thank you for ministering to me and my family, to serving my family so we can be here? Will you be the one to stop and say thanks to a, to a coach or to a, a teacher or to somebody who leads your small group or to your mom or to your dad? Will you be the one to stop and show honor and gratitude? Or will you be like most people today You say, you know, I've got this coming to me. And I don't have time to stop and say thank you. Will you be the one to to live with an ungrateful mindset? Are we going to continue to say things like, why should I say thank you? I don't have to. I deserve these things. I deserve to live this way. I have a right to these things. I have a right to live this way. I'm entitled to them. I can understand when it's hard because... From birth, we're told to pursue certain things because of this culture. We're told to pursue to make a name for yourself, to, to make money, to go for it, to you know, climb the ladder and do the best you can to retire well and to get your big car and your minivan and your 401k and all that good stuff. But the reality is, before and above all of that, our allegiance needs to be to Christ and his kingdom first and foremost. See, we have to change our mindsets, because there's really two mindsets that are ruining our culture when it comes to to living out gratitude. And these two mindsets are illustrated really well uh, by the story in Scripture, believe it or not. And um, it's one page over. How exciting. Um, And so Luke 15, there's this great story that you've probably heard of, the story of the prodigal son, the lost son. And it's the story that Jesus tells. And I'm going to read just a a little bit for, for you. And Jesus says this in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Everybody say, I want it now. I want it now. That's really easy for me to say, unfortunately. Uh, But that's the mindset that the younger son had. right? That's the mindset. He said, hey, I know what I've got coming to me, and I want it now. See, traditionally, and I'm pretty sure it's still the case, where parents would have to pass away. Before kids get the inheritance, I think that's still the way it goes. But this, this kid, he knew, he said, like, hey, my dad's kind of wealthy. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be doing pretty well after he dies. Um, and so he said, hey, listen, pops, you're better off dead to me. I want what you have. I want it now. Don't want to have to wait for it. Give it up. And what took years or decades to earn or to save, the son wanted now. And it took him weeks or months just to blow away. See, I have this mindset as well. I'm ungrateful for some of the, some of the things that, that we have, and I'm, I'm impatient with those things. I want things now. Like, for example, um, anybody ever watched an HD HDTV? Like for, I, we did this for the first time. We have one for the first time, not because we bought it, but our roommates brought one. Um, but it's the first time I'm getting to watch, it, and it's great and it's clear, but I've noticed something about this TV, that there's this lag in between each channel. This just two-second, like a change-it, two-second lag, and it bothers me. You see, I'm a channel surfer, like a professional channel surfer. I'm under the mindset, "Why I watch one show when you can watch 19?" And so I'm breezing through, and I'm watching this TV, and I'm, it's seriously slowing me down, and it's really bothering me. And I start thinking about my message that I'm preaching this weekend about gratefulness and being happy with what you have. And I think, okay, what am I doing? I'm sitting on the couch, using the remote to change channels. Because I'm too lazy to get up, which is a whole other story there. And I'm watching TV that's so clear that I can see the beads of sweat coming off this football player's head. Ungrateful. I want it now. Don't want to have to wait for it. The second mindset is illustrated really well by the uh, the older son in the story. And in uh, verse 29 of chapter 15, this the younger sons come back. And this is what the older son says. Says to his father, Look! All right, parents. If... One of your kids have ever started out a conversation with Luke, look, exclamation point? It's probably not going to end well for the kids, guys. Just don't do it. Don't start. Not a good introduction to whatever you're trying to get there. All right, here we go. Um, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. I know when I'm partying, I always like to have a young goat there. Keeps things going. Um, So what's, what's the older son saying? He's saying, hey, I deserve more. Okay, I deserve more. The younger son comes back and the the father, who's a picture of our heavenly father, by the way, he's waiting for his son to return. He's hoping to see him come over the horizon to come back. And when he does, he's thanking God because he's been praying for him to come back. He thanks God that he returns. He gives him a robe and a ring and he kills the calf and throws a big party and says, steak for everybody. And the big brother's outside going, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't break any rules. I've never left. I've always done what I was told. Nobody did that for me. Hey, I I deserve that. I deserve that and more. Somebody owes me something. Hey, Dad, I deserve that and I deserve more. See, we see this played out in our lives in different ways. One way, like, hey, I deserve a better paying job. And if I can't get that better paying job, I'm just not going to work because I'm not going to lower myself to the job that I don't deserve. Or I deserve this vacation. or I deserve these benefits. See, after I wrecked my, my Camaro, my parents still needed me to help out with uh, drive my brother and I around to like school and to practice and help out with some chores and stuff. So they were gracious enough to get me another car. And before you get excited, um, it was not just any car. They got me this 1993 Chevy Blazer thing. It was not pretty. It was like rusty and the interior was all jacked up and it wouldn't even pick up speed going downhill. And it was, I called it my punishment car. And th- while there was some, this small party was like, yes, I got a car. Most of me was like, whoa, "Whoa, wait a minute. We have to go to a, from a Camaro to that? Come on, we deserve more than that." See, these are the mindsets of the nine, not the one. I deserve more. I don't want to have to wait. I want it now. So how do we how do we do it? How do we go from this mindset of entitlement and saying how much we deserve and we need and we want it now to being grateful? How do we cultivate this attitude of gratitude, which is the only way I know how to say it. I know it's kind of cheesy and it rhymes, but it's the only way I know how to say it. How do we cultivate this attitude of gratitude? There's a couple steps we have to take, some things we need to do to, um, to live that out. And first thing we have to do is we have to recognize what it is that we deserve. Figure out what it is we deserve. And the Bible has some very clear things to say about that. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You guys, you've heard that verse last night, right? We didn't even plan that, did we, Eddie? For all have sinned. Last time I checked, all means everybody. So we've all sinned. We're all fall short of the glory of God. And because of our sin, we deserve nothing. We deserve death. We deserve hell. We deserve eternal separation from God because of that sin. So when we understand, when you understand that you don't deserve anything, it's much easier to be a more grateful person. Because if you know you don't deserve anything, then anything you get is easy to be grateful for because you didn't deserve it, right? Right? The second thing we have to do is we have to recognize where it is blessings come from. recognize where it is where does these good things come from in our lives. James 117 says, "Every good and perfect gift from, comes from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above." So it doesn't matter how much you make, because gratitude makes poor people rich, and ungratefulness makes rich people poor." So we, when we recognize that life itself is a gift, we, sh- we should be overwhelmed by this sense of gratitude. Waking up every day should take on a whole new meaning. Life should take on a whole new meaning. Choosing whether or not to hit the snooze button should have serious implications when we realize that life is a gift, something that's given to us, not just ours to do with whatever we want. And the third thing we have to do, and this one's really hard and it's not fun and requires some soul-searching, but we need to expose any ungratefulness that's inside of us. And this, this covers all aspects of our lives. You know, maybe you struggle with material financial ungratefulness you know maybe your tv is never good enough or you don't have the coolest phone or you don't like your car or maybe you do this i do this one all the time i stand in my closet and look at all the clothes that i've i've bought and that i picked out and i say man i just don't have anything to wear right listen i've been to places and some of you have as well where people don't have anything else to wear let's be grateful for what we have or maybe you wish you had more money. Whatever it is, we need to expose that ungratefulness. Or Maybe you struggle with relational ungratefulness. And you know, you're tired of your parents being all up in your business. Or you, you wish you had this boyfriend or this girlfriend. Or maybe you wish your husband was more like this. Or your wife did this more. Whatever it is, we need to expose that ungratefulness in our lives. Or maybe you have circumstantial ungratefulness. You just don't like where you are in life. You don't like where you work. You don't like where you live. You don't like your hair. You don't like your lack of hair. Whatever it is. We have to expose that ungratefulness in our lives so we can, by doing that, we're going to be able to better cultivate this attitude of gratitude, be able to live it out better. And the next step, and this one's hard as well, is that we have to turn those blessings back into praise. See, receiving is only part of the process. It's only when we return to give thanks that we are really living it out, that we're living out gratitude. See, it's so important because, listen, every blessing we don't turn back to praise turns into pride. Every blessing we don't turn back into praise turns into pride. Because by nature, we're not grateful. We're not thankful. We're not content. And so it requires a conscious effort to really live this out. Because if we don't, at some point, we're going to say, hey, you know what? I did deserve that. I am entitled to that. I did have this coming to me. Thank you very much. And you know what? I deserve that and more. And I want it now. So next time you say, hey, I'm sick of my car. Just don't like it. We need to change our mindset. Say, God, thank you that I have a car. And because I have transportation, I'm in the top three to five wealthiest percentile in the world because I have that. The next time you say, man, our house is always a mess. Say, God, I thank you that I have a home that my friends and my family can come in and enjoy. And maybe you say, man, our house is just too small. You say, God, thank you that I have a bathroom, that I have a roof over my head, that I have heating and I have air conditioning. Maybe you say, I don't really like my job or I don't like where I go to school. You say, God, thank you that I live in a place where people are struggling to find work that you've given me a job and I live in a place where I can have education. Maybe you say, I don't like this about my body. You say, God, thank you that I'm healthy. Or even if you're not, God, thank you that I'm alive to experience another day. Thank you for that. And not just for material things, we need to thank God for sending his son Jesus to die for us. That he took this person who deserved nothing and gave me everything. Say, God, thank you for doing for me what I could not do for myself, and I did not deserve it at all. For doing for me what I couldn't do, for taking this life and transforming it into something that's good, for giving me the blessings that you've given me. Maybe you can't say that this morning. Maybe you can't say thank you to God for the material things, or even for that his son died for you, because you don't know that you should be thankful for it. You should. And if you want to know more about that, that's That's what we are all about. We want you to know that you can be thankful and live a grateful life because Christ came and lived and died for you and rose again. And because of that, you can live in eternity with him. You can live a life that's washed away of sins and you can be forgiven. So I say, let's be the one. You and I, let's be grateful. Let's live that out. Let's live it out. Let's be the one starting now.